The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars' popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymore, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. Saint Olympias I called her the girl with the overflowing heart. For that is what she was. She came to live with me when her parents died. My cousin Gregory made the arrangements. Gregory says that you are a pattern of goodness, Theodosia. (laughs) Oh, cousin Gregory has always known how to flatter a woman. He says that in your life I will see everything good. Well, now I must try to live up to that. For your sake and my own. Olympias was beautiful, well-born and wealthy. She never gave me a moment's distress, brought only joy and love into my life. When she was 16, a marriage was arranged for her with the prefect of Constantinople. Oh, he was a difficult man in many ways, but Olympia seemed content. If she wasn't, she made no outward show. Your cousin can't come to the wedding, Theodosia. What a pity. Olympias, Gregory is getting old, and his health is deserting him. But look, he sent me a poem, a long poem. Oh? It's all advice on being a wife. But he said it's so beautiful. (laughs) Gregory always knew how to talk to a woman. Her husband died within a few years. Now I thought this beautiful girl is free to marry a man who will make her truly happy. So many wanted her, but she would not consider any of them. She was determined to stay single for the rest of her days. She wanted only to give her life to God's service. 
I have told the Emperor I will not marry this Spaniard. Oh, I hear nothing but the best of him, Olympias. And you know the Emperor is a, a good man. I know he is the first Roman Emperor to be baptized, and I honor him for that. Well, then don't you think you should at least consider this man, this Elpidius, if the Emperor has set his heart on it? No, Theodosia. I shall never be a wife again. My mind is quite made up. And it was. The emperor was very angry and put her entire fortune in the hands of the urban prefect and made him her guardian till she should reach the age of 30. It is hard. It is hard to bear, Theodosia. The money is yours. The emperor has no right to oh, do... the money. It's not the money. I have written the emperor and thanked him for ridding me of the burden. I asked him to distribute most of it among the poor and give the rest to the church. It's not the money. The prefect is trying to keep me from the bishop, even from going to church. And that I cannot bear. But our good emperor demonstrated the value of his conversion to Christianity. After an inquiry into the private life of Olympias, he restored to her the administration of her estate. It was then that her real life found its beginning. The bishop has made me a deaconess, and I have bought a large house near the Church of the Holy Wisdom. I shall furnish it and live there with whatever single women wish to join me. We shall all live simply, dress plainly, and give ourselves to charitable works and to God. And this she did. Seven years later, in 398, John Chrysostom succeeded to the bishopric of Constantinople. Oh, Theodosia, what a good man. What a holy man he is. When he speaks, oh, Theodosia, the truth seems to lie revealed in all its glory and all its ugliness, too, for he speaks of sin as well. John Chrysostom. The vanity of it. The unspeakable vanity. Of what, Bishop? Of the court. The new emperor is not like the old one at all. This one's a simpleton and cares for no one but his wife, who is a Jezebel. And the imperial minister, why, he paints his face like a woman. Do you know the background of this decrepit old schema? No, Bishop. He was a slave. Ptolemy gave him to one of his generals who used him as a procurer. The general gave him to his daughter when she was married, and she kept him busy combing her hair and fanning her when the weather was hot. That is our imperial minister of state. Bishop, may I discuss The empress. Something... Well, let me not start on Bishop. That. Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Olympias, what is it? What is it you wish to discuss? The orphanage. The orphanage. Yes, of course. It is nearly finished, isn't it? Yes, Bishop. And I think we should start making plans for the hospital. Oh, <laughs> Olympias, what would I do without you? You restore me to my senses. The sin and blasphemy that surround us, they madden me, but <laughs> you always bring me back to goodness. What would I do without you? So they worked together. John Chrysostom and Olympias. 
With utmost modesty and, and devotion, she went on serving God in the royal city, giving of her abundance so prodigally that even her beloved bishop was impelled to remonstrate. This man, this Eugenius, he tells me you promised him some money. Was he looking for me today? Yes, he was, and I saw him. Did you promise him money, Olympias? I was at the hospital all day. They, they are short of nurses. Oh, and they need more beds, too. Eugenius has no need to beg, Olympias. Oh, he's not a beggar, Your Grace. He will find work soon. Meanwhile, he has two sons who can well afford to support him. But if they are not Has willing... he asked them? He is proud, Bishop. Yes, but not too proud to ask you. Did you promise him money? Only till he can find work. Now, he must go to his sons and tell them he needs money until he finds work. But it will shame then him. Then I will tell them. That should shame him even more. Now, Olympias, about the woman after you. You've taken her to live with you. Why? She is grieving for her husband. Does she do any work in the community? Oh, yes. What does she do? She gathers the herbs. Oh? What else? What other work? She washes them sometimes. What else? She pours the water. Oh, she pours the water, does she? And picks the herbs and washes them sometimes. And in return, you house and feed her. Only until the period of mourning has passed. It has passed. Oh, oh no, your credit. Yes, it has passed. Because she's going to marry a rich merchant. Now, surely he can give her money to live on till they can be married. Perhaps she does not like to Then let her go to work, Olympias. Oh, my dear woman, do not let me be unkind to you. But you try my patience with your giving, your overgiving. But I have so much. And they have so little. They have enough to keep them from living off your bounty. Do you not see, dear lady, you must not encourage the laziness of people who are willing to let you support them when it isn't really necessary. It's like throwing your money into the sea. Don't you understand? Yes, Your Grace. I hope so. And I hope I haven't hurt you. Oh, no, Your Grace. I have a uh, choleric disposition. I know that. Everyone knows it. Everyone loves you, Bishop. I wish that was so, but it is not. There are many who wish I would be quiet or go away. But when I see what I think is wrong, I, I, I must speak out. Now, must I not? Or why am I a bishop? Yes, Your Grace. Well, so it seems to me. But I would never knowingly wound you, Olympias. You are so charitable to all, most of all to me. You are my dearest friend. That's a lovely thing to say. And you bring me close to God. And that is even a lovelier thing to say. John Chrysostom knew all along that his thunderings from the pulpit of St. Sophia had made him enemies. The magistrates, the ministers, the ladies of the court, the empress herself, all bore a dreadful burden of guilt, and they grew more and more uncomfortable as the fearless preacher exposed them. At Christmas time, the emperor did not attend the liturgy at the cathedral, and toward the end of Lent, John was forbidden to officiate at any of the Easter services. It is intolerable, Olympias. I have received this church from God. I am not free to, to desert it. 
It is Easter Eve, Your Grace, and the people are waiting. The vigil service should start soon. The city is theirs. They can turn me out of it, but I am responsible for the salvation of my flock. And as long as they wait for me, I shall not abandon them. And so he went to the church, which was filled to overflowing, and the vigil service began. But then... Suddenly, armed men entered the church and drove out all the clergy. Soldiers surrounded the altar. There were women in the chapels getting ready to be baptized, and they fled in terror. Some of them were thrown outside, covered with wounds. Oh, Olympias, it was like a raid by the barbarians. Five days after the Feast of Pentecost, the Emperor signed the decree for his expulsion. He said goodbye to us in the baptistry. We may never see each other again. Listen to my last words. Do not cease your kindness and your generosity on behalf of the Church. And if my successor be legitimately elected... Give to him the same obedience you would to me. No, no, Olympias. Never, you cannot ask. Olympias, I must ask you. We cannot follow any bishop but you. No, at least I cannot. Nor can any of us, your grace. Father, take me with you. You are my friend and guide. Without you, I cannot go on. Take me with you. Let me follow you. Get to your feet, Olympias. No. Olympias, I said, get to your feet. Never. I will never leave Theodosia. Your grace, you'd better go. The soldiers are waiting for me. I'll take care of her. Pray for me. And you for all. Us all, Father. What is that? What are they saying? What? What's that? Fire! The church! The church is burning! The church! The church is on fire! John's successor was named Arsatius. He may have been a good enough man, for all I know, but to all of us who had known John Chrysostom, he was nothing but a usurper. We were a group, faithful to the man so cruelly exiled. All of us were persecuted, and Olympias was no exception. The prefect of Constantinople at that time was one Optatus, and Olympias was ordered to appear before him. The charge against you is that of arson. Arson? You know what that is, to be precise, of having set fire to the cathedral. I? Why would I do that? You were a follower of the former archbishop, were you not? The true archbishop, John Chrysostom. Yes, I was one of his flock. Chrysostom, that means golden mouth, or so I am told. That is so. Why was he so called? It can't be that you ever heard the archbishop preach, or you could not ask such a question. I am not a Christian. The old religion serves me very well. You know that the fire you started in the cathedral... The fire I am charged with starting. That people say you started. No one who knows me says such a thing. All right, the fire you are charged with starting, is that better? At least it is truthful. 
The fire you are charged with starting spread to other buildings. The Senate House, among others. This makes it a serious offense. It was already a serious offense, but I did not commit it. The fire started on the day John Chrysostom left the city. Was exiled from the city. It is said that in your rage you struck down all the candles at the altar. It is said, it is said, a calumny is said, a lie is said. That awful night I was distracted, yes, and enraged by the injustice done to my friend and spiritual guide. My soul was sick, so sick that I thought it could not survive this dreadful thing. But it has never been so sick that I could think of desecrating the church in which he preached mercy and the supreme virtue of love. Where were you when the fire started? I was at the feet of that great man. I was begging for the privilege of following him into exile. My friends had to tear me away from him by force. Otherwise, I would never have left him. I would have followed him to the mountains, to the desert, wherever they made him go. You still go to church? Of course. When? Every day. What services do you attend? No services. I go alone. Mm -hmm. That is what it says here. You have a record in front of you of my comings and goings? It says here that you refuse to communicate with Archbishop Arsatius. I will not hold communion with one I do not regard as the true bishop of my church. You refuse? I refuse. Your loyalty to John Chrysostom is very touching. I am impressed by such devotion to a man in exile and not likely to return. I wish that I could join him. Perhaps you will, Olympias. Perhaps you will. Olympias was very ill all that winter. In the spring, she was called again before the prefect, who imposed a heavy fine on her because, though the charge of arson had been abandoned, she still refused to communicate with the new bishop, Arsatius. She paid the fine without demur, though it hurt her that the money should be diverted from the poor and the sick and the homeless of the city. Persecutions and frequent illnesses succeeded one another. At last, the final crushing blow was dealt. You have another archbishop now, Olympias. I have the same archbishop I have had for many, many years. Where is John Chrysostom? In the Taurus Mountains, I believe. You know he is there, don't you? You get letters from him. Pope Innocent has asked that he be returned to the sea that is rightfully his. The emperor in Rome has also asked it. I hope... The Eastern Emperor has plans to send him to Cumana in Cappadocia. We do not take orders from Rome, from the Emperor there or the Pope. I did not know they were planning to send him further away from us. You can write and tell him so. You do write to him. From time to time. And he writes to you? From time to time. Or I could not go on. He entrusts various commissions to you, doesn't he? to further the conspiracy for his return. There is no conspiracy. Everyone knows we want him back. And though he has little hope of returning, he is concerned for the spiritual well-being of us all. The new archbishop is concerned for your spiritual well-being? You conduct an orphanage, do you not? And a hospital. And shelter various visitors 
to Constantinople. When the monks were expelled from Nitria, they stayed with us for a time. No one since. You, not many. The new archbishop has taken your community under his protection. No, he must not. They will not accept it. I'm afraid they must. They will not. They cannot. Then they must disband. The orphanage, the, the hospital. What will become of them? They, they depend on us. I regret. You have blackened my reputation. You have exiled my bishop. Now you're destroying my work. I sympathize. The executioner cannot sympathize with the victim. I have one more unpleasant duty to carry out, Olympias. Oh, you have done your worst. I must impose a sentence of exile on you. It does not matter. For the present, you are sentenced to exile in the city of Nicomedia. It's a civilized place. Not quite Constantinople, but much more pleasant than most places. It does not matter. It does not matter. course, her feelings did not change. No one thought they would. And she was not called from exile. Then, on the Feast of the Holy Cross in 407, John Chrysostom died. I went at once to Nicomedia to do what I could to comfort her. I'm grateful to you, Theodosia. Oh, Olympias, I... I wish I could have come before, but... I'm not so young anymore. It is enough that you are here now. Have you kept well? Well enough. I have had these. Oh. Are those all his letters? All. I keep them with me. Listen to this. I cannot cease to call you blessed... The patience and dignity with which you have borne your sorrows, the prudence and the wisdom with which you have managed delicate affairs, and the charity which has made you throw a veil over the malice of your persecutors, have won a glory and a reward which hereafter will make your sufferings seem light and passing in the presence of eternal joy. He was... Right, Olympias. And the theme of his letters is an interesting one. That no one can hurt him who does not first hurt himself. Do you believe that? It has given me much to think about. I read it over at least once a week. Have you heard anything of his, his passing? Some details have reached me here. They took him to the chapel at St. Basil. And they say that there the martyr appeared to him in a vision and said, Courage, brother. Tomorrow we shall be together. The next day he was very ill. The clergy put white garments on him and he offered the sacrifice of the mass. A few hours later he said, Glory be to God for all things and gave up his soul. God have mercy on him. And you, my dear, what of you? This life is nothing. Like spring flowers that pass as a shadow, 
Intangible as a dream. He said that in one of his letters. And he said, there is no need for tears, since death is simply the soul's passing over, a transition from the worst to the better, from earth to heaven, from men to angels, and to him who is lord of the angels. Oh, Olympias, you must not speak of death. Why, why, you're, you're, you're barely 40 years old. I feel it soon. Soon I shall pass from the worst to the better, from men to angels. Yes, soon. She died less than a year after the passing of John Chrysostom. By God's grace, I have lived to see the relics of John Chrysostom transported from their obscure sepulcher to the royal city. The emperor himself advanced to receive them, and falling prostrate on the coffin, he implored the forgiveness of the injured saint. Olympias. Her body, too, has been brought back to Constantinople, where she has become so celebrated for her great goodness that her very name is now considered worthy of imitation, and parents pray that their children may be like her. listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymoor for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony's Shrine, Graymoor. Attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need. Please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org. You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement, Graymoor. Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 
10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen.